Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Girl, real talk. This whole it's a new year, time to reinvent myself trash is not the vibe for 2024. You can find someone who loves you for you as you are. You don't need to read a stack of self-help books, only eat sad salads, or like start meditating at 5 a.m. to be ready for dating. So yeah, my advice is to download Bumble and find someone who embraces you the way you are right now. Let me know how it goes. I can see how I was, I was most likely infusing my novel or my writing with that tension of being in the same room with someone that you've known your entire life, someone who's so familiar to you and all the little details, their smells and how they dress and how they speak and how they think. And yet there's such a big thing that you might miss and not be seeing. I'm Jordan Kissner, author of the essay collection, Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. Sanaila Mwan's debut novel, The Margot Affair, was one of the breakout books of 2020. It tells the story of a Parisian teenager, Margot, who is the secret daughter of a French politician and the prominent actress who is his longtime mistress. Margot loves her father, who comes to visit her and her mother in their apartment every so often. And she decides at long last that she wants to change the circumstances of her family, that she doesn't want to be a secret anymore. Sanai was a cookbook editor while she was writing The Margot Affair and is now at work collaborating on a cookbook for her next project. But we got to talk about something a little more pertinent to The Margot Affair, the moment when she was 21, when her father confided in her that he had another family and asked her to keep it a secret. I think back to the summer of 2011, um, when I had just graduated from college, I was 21. And I moved back to Paris to live with my father for the summer. Um, my parents had just um, sold their house and were in the process of divorcing. My mother had moved to the U.S. after living in France for um, more than two decades. And I had a job in Paris for the summer and I'd be moving to New York in the fall. Um, so it already felt like kind of a moment of transition. Um, but then early in the summer, my father um, took me to a nearby park and told me that he'd been seeing someone else for several years and that they had a son together and that she was pregnant with um, another boy. And it was the first time that I had heard that, that he had another person in his life um, and that I had one half sibling and soon another one. Um, and this woman lived in Thailand, where he often traveled for work. 
And then a few days after telling me this news, he left on a long business trip, including to Thailand. And I stayed alone in his apartment. Um, and it's, it's strange looking back on this period of my life because at the time, I, I didn't even see it as, as necessarily such a big change or an upheaval. I remember feeling quite calm and thinking that, you know, I, I was now 21 years old and an adult and um, had left home and it, it wasn't such a big deal. And yet at the same time, I remember feeling really surprised and troubled and, and confused. And my father had asked me to not tell anyone for a while, um, especially not my mother who didn't know that, uh, that he had two other children. Um, and so I was kind of in this, what now I think of as sort of an in-between space, I think because I was holding this secret and, and it felt like such a private thing. And I was alone in his apartment that had all these traces of my mother still, um, that had a lot of unopened boxes because he had just moved. Um, it wasn't a familiar space, but I spent a lot of time at home, I wasn't really seeing other people because I didn't want to talk about what had happened. Um, and I was sort of going back and forth between thinking, well, this is, this is a very normal thing and it must happen to so many other families. Um, and then at the same time, feeling like uh, my father, who was someone so familiar to me up until then and who I'd been close to, um, had become a stranger in a way. And, and it, it sort of felt like time was suspended. Um, and I knew it wouldn't last forever because at some point my mother would find out or we'd tell her. And at some point I would probably meet, um, this, this other family and, and these half siblings who were just kind of images in my mind would become real. Um, but at that point it just, it really felt like um, I don't know. I was between knowing about it, but not having yet met them. And it wasn't quite real, if that makes sense. Yeah, that is incredibly, incredibly monumental in terms of a piece of information to learn out of nowhere at that time in your life. If it's okay, can I back up? Can I back us up a second and ask, um, like, did he explain to you when he told you this, why he hadn't told you sooner, why he had kept it a secret? Yeah, I, I think what he told me, and I hope I'm not misremembering because it's all a little bit blurry, but, um, or maybe what I understood is why he was telling me at that point, um, which is that he felt that I was grown up. Um, I had finished college and I think up until that point, he felt like I was still maybe a child or, or you know, I was coming home. Um, and he had wanted me to have the stability of a home, even if, uh, even if it was a false one in a way. Um, and, and the, but the truth is that I, I didn't ask a lot of questions in the moment. And so even to this day, I've, I've never really asked um, why why not before? Um, 
And it, it was so strange to me because I always deeply felt that if he had told me um, at the beginning, I would have been so um, excited. And my parents hadn't gone along for a long time. And I know, I'm sure it would have been a really difficult um, admission and, and, and it would have it, it would have been hard for all of us, but at least there wouldn't have been that secret, which felt like this um, this additional weight um, that was a lot harder to process than you know just the reality of of one meets someone else and life happens and children are born. <laughs> right. And did you understand why he was asking you to keep it a secret from your mother? Did that? How did that feel to you? I did and I didn't. His reasoning was that my that the divorce had already been so difficult for my mother and she she knew that there was an affair. He had told her about that, but not that there were children um, or one child in a pregnancy. And he was most worried that um, that that would be too difficult for her to process at the same time. Um, at least that, that was the explanation that I got. And because I was very close to my dad, in some ways at the time I felt closer to him than to my mother. Um, and because she wasn't there as well, she had moved to the U S. Um, I, I, I kind of, I don't know if agree is the right term, but sort of, um, thought, okay, I, I guess we have to, keep this secret and protect her, even though it doesn't make much sense looking back on it now. And so for a couple of weeks, I didn't say anything. And then eventually I spoke to my brother, um, my older brother, and we agreed to, to tell my mom. Um, and so what should have been a secret for about a year, which is what my father had asked for, um, was a secret for, for a few weeks, but which felt like a, a year in my life. <laughs> So I told my brother, and this is all kind of blurry in my memory again, and we really wanted my father to tell her so that it would be coming from him. But in the end, if I remember correctly, I think it was my brother who told my mother, and she she was so upset. Um, I think my my father just, you know, he it was an it was inevitable and it happened and um he he wasn't upset or, or didn't have a right to be upset. But for my mother, it was really difficult. It felt like a betrayal on my behalf um, that I hadn't come to her right away. And, um, and that took a long time to repair. Um, but in the immediate aftermath, um, I guess there was about a year where we were all trying to figure out what this meant, what this would look like for our family or the different members of, of the family. And the following summer, so exactly a year after I'd, I'd um, learned about their existence, I met my father's um, soon-to-be new wife and their two sons um, in the same apartment in Paris. And, um, and then they, they became a part of my life. That's such a big series of things to go through in an already transitional time. Um, you know, being 21, having, you know, having a, a new job. How, uh, how were you processing at the time? Were you already processing in writing or were you mm -hmm. just, were you doing something else? 
Yeah, it's, I love how these moments of transition never really feel that way when you're going through them. <laughs> it's, it's more in retrospect when you look back. Um, but yeah, so in the fall after this, shortly after this happened, and right when my mom found out, I moved to New York for grad school to get my MFA at Columbia in fiction writing. And um, I, I started writing. I had already been writing um, through college, but continued to write. And then a couple of months later, during that first year, I started writing a story about a high schooler, Margot, who is the hidden daughter of a politician and um, the, the daughter of a man who divides his time between his official family and his hidden family. Um, and I wasn't drawing any parallels with my life, I think in part because um, her experience seemed to be opposite to mine. Um, she was the hidden child and, uh, and the daughter of a, of a famous person, whereas uh, my father is not a, <laughs> not a politician. Um, but uh, the echoes are so obvious to me today in terms of the questions around secrets and a double family and what it means for a man to be divided between two families and um, to have two sets of children and and whether you can love both families equally, what what that love looks like. Um, and I think that that year especially was was a interesting time because I was really in in this sort of in between space um, between having found out that there was this other family, but also before meeting them. So there was a lot of curiosity and obsession and a lot of questions. I had a couple of photos of what they looked like, and my father would send me photos of my younger half-siblings, but I had no idea what it would be like to actually spend time with them in person. Um, so I, I can see now that as I was starting to write what would become my first novel in the really early stages, I mean, this was 10 years ago, um, it was almost like I was trying to, to shape answers, even if they were really inadequate to some of these questions through this very fictionalized account of a somewhat parallel um, story of a, of a hidden family. One of the things that I love so much about the Margot affair is the way that this protagonist is a secret, holds secrets, is keeping secrets from other people, has secrets, has secrets kept from her. She's sort of the, the center hub of this spoking wheel of secrets. And she's on all sides of it at sort of at all times. Um, and the complexity of that experience as you represent it through her feels really exciting on the, to me, feels really exciting on the page that she is a secret, has secrets and has secrets kept from her. Um, and I, I'm curious how you found that layered approach, how this kind of all these different ways a person can be oriented towards secrecy 
um, met in her. Yeah, I, that's, that's so true. The way that you're describing Margot, and I hadn't thought of, of her being at the center of, of all these secrets and having secrets herself, but, but it is very true. Um, one of the questions I was asking myself is to what extent do we inherit, um, our parents' traits, especially, um, for Margot, who is 17 years old and uh, just on the cusp of adulthood, she's leaving childhood and she's asking herself questions around identity and um, in what ways she'll be similar or dissimilar to her parents. Um, and I thought the the theme of, of secrets would be really telling because she was raised in a secret household and shaped by that secret, but also wants to break free from it and sees the ways that both her parents um, keep secrets, whether it's through lying or dissimulating or, um, or keeping a really closed home. Um, and she herself struggles with that. And, and you can see her um, on the one hand, wanting to tell her story and break that pattern but also kind of nurturing um, the the secret making or the or the, the desire to to keep secrets and to create secrets. And so she has um, secrets that she keeps from her best friend from high school, from her mother, um, from even her adult friends. Um, and I think she's discovering really what what the cost of that is. Um, and I'm always interested in the ways that um, people do keep secrets from each other. Um, so we see that with with all of the characters, whether it's Margot not being able to fully access the world of her parents, which has nothing to do with with the with the fact that she's a hidden child, but just the fact that she cannot ever understand exactly what their relationship um, or their non marriage is like. Um, as as their daughter, and how there are always parts of of our relationships or friendships that will be um, that will exist in that kind of shadow space, um, and and that that to me is is interesting. The kind of the withholding and those moments where you do kind of perceive um, maybe a hint or a glimmer of something, but then it shifts and it's. It's not what you thought it would be. Yeah. One of the the things that really stuck out to me about these characters and her interaction with her parents, you know, everyone around her really, is the extent to which she is experiencing the limits of our ability to know other people, right? Like her her mother, with whom she has a fraught but very close relationship, she seems to sort of study and maybe know better than anyone. And yet her mother is a mystery to her and her father is a mystery to her. And she realizes, I think, increasingly that she is a mystery to other people too. Um, And I guess one question I had for you is how that kind of reckoning, um, if that was something, reckoning with the limits of our ability to know other people or to be known felt like a really direct uh, like line of questioning that you were thinking through in your own life while you were writing, or if that was something that, that arose um, more just because of who Margot was. 
That's such a wonderful question because it seems so obvious to me now that you ask it. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it in, in that way. Um, but I, I can see how it's something that I thought about a lot with my father, who, as I said earlier, I was very close to him. And, and I felt that I, that I knew so much about his life. Um, and as someone who, who was always pretty quiet growing up, I was always sort of the kid observing things. I didn't, um, I preferred to stay home or to, to read. And, and so I felt like I had a lot of time to observe my family. Um, and I remember that moment when my dad told me that there, that there was another woman and, 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 um, and these half siblings that I was, I was just so, so surprised. I really, I really thought that it was something I would have known if it was happening. And one thought I had immediately was, um, how is it possible that, uh, that I have this, a young brother that was born the previous year, but I didn't know about that. You know, how, wh where was my father at that moment? Was I with him? Could I have observed it on his face? Or is there a detail that, you know, would have um, shown me that, that this other in incredibly important event was happening in his life? Um, and that seemed to me so strange that, that there would be a disconnect in that sense. Um, and so I can see how I was, I was most likely infusing my novel or my writing with that tension of being in the same room with someone that you've known your entire life, someone who's so familiar to you in all the little details, their smells and how they dress and how they speak and how they think. And yet there's such a big thing that you might miss and not be seeing. Um, and I think it's even more obvious or heightened in Margot because she is so young. And so she's at that age where she feels a lot of confidence and agency. She's discovering her agency and she thinks that maybe she does understand the adult world or understand how her parents are. Um, and yet, of course, so much of that is not accessible to her. Um, just as I remember being 21 and thinking, okay, now I'm like really in the adult world. Um, you know, I like have a handle on, on everything. <laughs> and, um, and yet it was, it was also fragile and shaky. Yeah. That experience you're describing of realizing after the fact that something momentous happened and you were completely unawares, you thought that your life was proceeding totally as normal and that nothing was going on. And meanwhile, mm -hmm. you know, a brother was, was coming into the world or, you know, something so, so fundamentally huge um, was changing in you. Uh, that feeling of how could I have not known? Or was, is it possible that I could have known had I just been looking mm. in the right direction? Um, and it feels like so much of the book is set in that, in that kind of space of, oh my gosh, these big, these big things are happening all around me. And I almost can't, I can almost see them. <laughs> like I can yeah. almost see them while they're happening, but mostly I can only happen. I can only see them, you know, after they happen, which, I mean, I'm thinking of the moment in, uh, in the book when, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't already read the book, when 
um, Margot's father dies and she thinks back to like, what, when, when was that? What, what, what was I doing? Mm. You know, um, this big thing happened and I didn't know about it until later. Um, yeah, no, that's, no, that's, that's, that's so, um, that, that's such a beautiful observation of, of almost being able to see something or almost being able to send something, but not seeing it. And where was I? Um, and, and then going over all of the events or the timeline and trying to, it's almost like detective work of, of trying to read the signs that maybe are there or not there. Um, and I think it's especially important for Margot, who is very uh, concerned about herself and in some ways self-centered um, be- because of her age and because of what she's experiencing. And so she often feels that anything that is happening, especially in relation to relation to her parents, uh, symbolizes or signifies something about herself. Is It has some direct relation to, to herself. Like her father's death, you know, did did she cause it? Did she, you know, could she have been a better daughter or more caring or more present or seen the ways that maybe he was sick or not? Right. Did writing, you know, spending years writing a book filled with these kinds of questions change or shape your understanding of your own family? as you went? I, it, it certainly did throughout the writing. Um, but, but kind of, I think it did, um, during those eight years, it, it changed my understanding in a kind of, um, sort of like in a, in a more bird's eye way as in, what's the term in a, I think I was I was thinking less about specifically about my family and more about the characters and their relationships. But in terms of Margot being a daughter and her relationship with her mother and how and how their relationship transforms throughout the novel, how it begins in this very tense, difficult place. And there's an arc to um to their their love and and finding themselves at some point in the story and then how at first I thought the novel was really about Margot's love for her father um, which it is in many ways um, but the final iteration is also very much about the mother um, so I think throughout the writing it was it was more the relationships between the characters however in the year before publishing the book um, as I was preparing for publicity and interviews, and maybe the same happened for you, but I started to have to reflect a lot more on on the novel and try to answer those questions of why I wrote this novel and where did this story come from and how has it changed um, by relationship to to my parents, if at all. And it was in that in that year, right before that, I started to notice that indeed I I had become a lot closer closer to my mother um, in the past ten years, and and I also realized that there were so many unanswered questions that I had for my father. What I thought felt kind of resolved in the writing, maybe was not 
not really resolved. It was still very messy. Um, and so it was more when, when the book was published and I had written a couple of essays and, and my father had read it that we had a conversation about what had happened and how I'd felt. Um, and so the transformation kind of happened after the, the fact or with the publication of the book um, and not just the writing of it. Um, and that was surprising. Um, I, when I was, when I knew that, that the book would be published when we had sold it to an editor, I thought that I wouldn't talk about, um, my, my family and what had happened with my father at all. Um, and so it was really surprising when maybe six months before publication, I, I emailed my editor and told her, well, actually, there, there is a personal connection, and I think I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> we'll have to see um, when the questions actually arise. I mean, how did, if it's okay for me to ask and you can say no, um, how did that conversation go with your father when you eventually had it? We, we spoke on the phone. Um, he lives in Thailand now, so we hadn't been able to see each other. And this was summer of last year, so um, right in the, the middle of the pandemic. I don't think we can really say the middle anymore. I don't know what the middle is. <laughs> where but, is um, the middle? Yeah. Where is the middle? But during, during the pandemic, and um, so we spoke on the phone, and we never FaceTime, so we, we just have each other's voices, which I really appreciate. I think there's kind of a level of there's enough distance. It feels on the one hand, it's intimate um, because you have that person's voice right up in your ear, but it's, it's kind of nice to not have to see their face. And I think that helped me to talk to him about um, how I, how I was feeling. I think he may have tentatively begun the conversation um, based on an essay that I had written. And what I was really seeking was his acknowledgement that it had been a difficult time for me and that, and that I had wished that he'd apologized at the time because I, I, I don't remember hearing or feeling an apology, um, when I was 21, that, that the fact that he was introducing this other family in a, in a very kind of violent way and also asking me to keep a secret was very painful for, for me at the time. Um, I think he was just so relieved um, to to finally be able to talk about it, and and so happy to be sharing something positive and his or something you know people that he loved with with another person that that he loved um, that there wasn't maybe as much reflection on 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 how it would affect me, um, and so you know I guess it was nine years after the fact um, last summer we were able to talk about it in the most kind of direct way um, that we had. And I still feel that, you know, there, there are unanswered questions or questions I don't want to ask and, and maybe because I don't want to know the answers. Um, but it, it felt like, it felt like a big step for a family where we mostly communicate through cooking and, and, you know, not, non we have very nonverbal forms of communication. Um, and so this was, but this was a, a real conversation. Something that I hear in that answer is that you had in the eight or nine years that had passed from being the 21 year old who felt like I'm, I'm really very adult and I can handle this 
uh, was this recognition as as your older self that it had been hard and and uh, that it had been a really difficult experience for your 21 year old self that maybe at 21 you weren't able to acknowledge or even to see. That's, that's so true. I remember friends over the years telling me, Oh, that, that sounds like such a difficult thing. And, you know, uh, how incredible that you get along with your dad's wife. And um, I'm very impressed. And I remember feeling proud when I would hear that and be like, yes, we have this strange family. And, you know, we all get along well, as and I, I get along with with this, with uh, my father's new family. And, um, and things are quite peaceful. And, you know, I yeah, it was it was almost like a point of pride that things were so calm. Um, but as a result, anything that was messy or painful or complicated, I'd kind of shoved it into a box um, or into the novel. <laughs> Maybe that's what was <laughs> happening into my writing um, as opposed to talking about it with my parents. Um, and maybe it was good to have all that time to think and process and, um, and to have, and to have that time with, with myself. Um, but there was definitely a dissonance and this kind of, this, this like humbling experience of, oh, um, maybe I'm not as grown up as I thought I was or not as in control or not, not as understanding. And that's okay. You know, if something, if, if I'm bothered, it's, it's all right. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have a good relationship. Yeah. That feels so relatable. I think most 21 year olds reach 20. I don't know. I think of myself at 21 with so much more, um, tenderness mm. than I at 21 was able to offer myself. I felt so like I was supposed to be so in control yes. of my life. <laughs> like control. I was supposed to I be so grown just, up. Yes. I was just thinking of the word in control before you said it. That's exactly right. And something about, something about, um, maybe just age, but also especially maybe about using a book to kind of work out some of the feelings that you're not sure how to just have <laughs> like the time. And then mm -hmm. also writing as this space where you can be um, putting your questions and putting your uh, putting your feelings that you don't totally know how to, how to shape yet uh, gives you that, yeah. gives you that time and space to think back and go, Oh, wow. I really was, I really didn't have it figured out. And that's, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yes. And I think with writing, you know, it's especially with drafts and, um, all the different versions of the novel that exist, it's, it's really kind of this, this safe exercise or, you know, you don't have to have it figured out. You can write into the unknown and you can change the storylines around and change the questions. And, um, in a way that the stakes feel so much lower than having a, a serious conversation with someone in your life and telling them how you feel without having quite figured out what you want to say. Yeah. Did you feel, um, and possibly and probably not, but did you ever feel like the book was a way to rehearse, um, for your, for your, for your life, for your, for your family and the conversations you maybe someday wanted to have or the feelings you wanted to express or the futures you wanted to imagine? I think, 
I think sometimes maybe in, in very rough drafts or exploratory drafts, I may have written versions um, like that, that, that were maybe in dialogue or, or um, in Margot's um, first person voice that were uh, more rehearsals of, of things I might want to say to, um, to my mother or my father. But one thing that I'm remembering is that at the beginning of writing the novel, it was um, at the beginning of writing the novel, I had a lot of other characters um, that narrated the story. It wasn't just told from Margot's point of view. And it took a while to feel comfortable with telling the story just from her voice and and removing kind of that the 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 extra stuff that that was getting in the way of of what I really wanted to say. So maybe it was more that of of being comfortable with going going to a more vulnerable place um, and and letting go of the characters that were circling around because um, that was that was a little safer having having that um, distance and having another another character maybe describe what was happening from a distance as opposed to the character herself. Um, saying what she was experiencing. Um, and so over the years, I was able to remove that distance or that layer and and come to what I hope is is a more distilled version. Um, but I think halfway through, there was a very messy version that was just my feelings. <laughs> and, you know, um, especially in those those rough drafts. and um, and then there was it was a matter of, of really trying to shape the story so that it would also be a novel and it would have a compelling structure and and it would be suspenseful and mysterious and you know all of those concerns were so top of mind um, in crafting the book but from the beginning I knew I didn't want to write a memoir um, but I think this form was was kind of more freeing for me, um, given what what I was experiencing. I wanted to ask you um, when you finally, what it was like when you finally met your younger brothers. Oh, yes. It was when I finally met them. It was, it was a really, it's, it's a, it's a moment that's, that's very, very vivid in my, in my memory. You know, you have certain moments in your life and, and you can play them back like a movie and they'll just stay there in your mind forever. It feels like that. Um, I remember I had just gotten off a flight. Um, it was in the summer and I was visiting them in Paris and I walked into the apartment. Um, and my, one of, one of my little brothers was in a stroller. I guess he'd just been outside and I can't remember where the other one was, but actually what I remember most aren't my brothers. <laughs> they were so small. Um, it was my, my dad's um, new wife who I, I was, 
I was just most curious about her. Um, she was, she is 10 years older than me. So we're pretty close in age. Um, or maybe 12 years older. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, closer in age than, than with my mother, certainly. Um, and she was in the kitchen cooking. Um, it was around lunchtime and she was making this incredible Thai meal. She was making curry and rice and, um, and it was the end of the meal. So you could really smell all of the, all of the ingredients kind of like blooming and, and, um, all the dishes were, were almost ready, um, to be eaten. And it was just this, this like really soothing kind of almost maternal moment, but also a little jarring for me because my mother cooks a lot and I've always seen her in the kitchen. And so there was sort of like this, this mirror, this echo, but it was completely different from what I'd known. Um, and then we sat down and had a meal and it was really lovely. Um, and the other thing that I remember noticing is that even though my little brothers are half brothers, because we're both, or the three of us are half Asian, I felt like we had so many similarities. Um, and I don't know, like having that physical resemblance was, was interesting too. Um, with, with these little brothers who I, I don't know, we're, we're just like entering my life. Um, and they were so young that I, you know, they didn't really know what was going on. Um, and I just kind of immediately took them in, in my arms and started doing things that one does with, I it was like babysitting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was, but, but it was strange, like thinking about this apartment that I'd spent so much time in alone the summer before and feeling so anguished. And then suddenly it was full of life. It wasn't quiet and lonely and, you know, it was complicated, but, but we, we were, I felt like I was sort of in, in a new family, um, which was, was both very odd and, and really wonderful. <laughs> Thresholds is a production of Lit Hub Radio. We're produced by Drew Broussard and Justin Alvarez. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Kirsten Huber. Special thanks to Farrar Strauss and Drew. I'm Jordan Kistner. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jordan.kistner. We'll see you next week. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know it's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year. 
with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. rocketmoney.com slash pod24.